Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of Aoi Timurus Bushi. This is your host, Menion, also known as Rob. I've got a shorter episode for you this time. Uh, it's been about two weeks since I started recording this program. Um, I was going to just ditch it. Um, I wasn't sure if you wanted to listen to me talking about d while making sandwiches. Um, but, you know, this is a, a, a... I occupy a niche, a niche of a niche. Uh, and uh, so... That's what you get <laughs> when you listen to my podcast. Yeah, it's been about two weeks, um, so I feel a bit guilty for not uh, moving faster. Uh, initially, excuse me, initially, uh, I was going, I started recording the podcast because I'd received some uh, kind messages from Daniel um, regarding a, a previous uh, set of uh, episodes about, um, you know, various modules that I've been playing and and uh, the creation of magic items, scrolls and other things by magic users in D&D. So um, yeah, I started, but I, I, again, you know, I've been quite lazy. I've been, well, I've been a little bit busy with uh, various different things like everybody. And, and so I kept on just uh, procrastinating until today because I've got nothing to do. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, um, Yesterday, it was Saturday yesterday, it was quite a very quiet day and me and the wife sort of spent that just relaxing, chilling out and then we had a, a nice uh, drink and uh, chat in the afternoon and listened to music. Uh, today she's got a few things that she wants to do and I, I've got something this evening, um, but unfortunately, I, yeah, I, uh, I've got the day off free, but I'm unable to use it productively in the way that I wish, would like to, which is um, preparing for the upcoming RuneQuest a campaign that starts a week today so um we'll talk more about that later but uh today yes i'm gonna t- i'm gonna make some sandwiches and uh give you a little bit of a i think it's a recap <laughs> it's been a while it's a bit of a recap and then after that i've got some fantastic call-ins from daniel as i've just said and so uh let's just get straight into the show it should be quite short Okay, this should be a historic moment in the history of a historic moment in the history of guerrilla podcasting. Sorry, I'm I've just woken up and I've got to make my sandwiches for work. So you have been warned. I'm not sure if this will record very well, but let's try. So um I actually uh unusually for me on a weekday I went out and I was uh Playing a board game. It was called uh, Ancients, uh, Command and Colors, Ancients. The uh, first game in that, and I played the Syracuse Army. And um, the opponent, uh, a friend of mine, was running the, if I can remember, the uh, Carthage. It was quite an interesting battle game uh, on a hex with little kind of wooden chits for the enemies, uh, quite simplified in many ways compared to a miniatures battle game, but uh, still quite enjoyable, uh, first game of its kind that I've played for quite a while, um, so yeah, that was really interesting, nice change for me, and uh, what have I been doing uh, otherwise, game-wise, well, role-playing has been a, a major feature, particularly playing, I'm running, um, I'm running a couple of games, of course, but I'm also playing 
uh, in a number of games, um, we had our, actually the same guy, Casey, um, we had our, um, let's see if I can squeeze it out at this time in the morning, our Yellow King uh, campaign. Now, I was kind of strapped for time, so we could only run, we could only play for about two hours. But, uh, nevertheless, yeah, it was a, a good campaign. We'd had a little bit of trouble remembering where we were, because it had been so long since the previous uh, session. However, it was still a lot of fun. Um, other than that, uh, I'm still playing in the Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay uh, Enemy Within campaign. And we just finished just finished the Death on the Reich, uh, which is the second part of the uh, revised campaign, the third part of the old campaign. And um, we are about to start the Power Behind the Throne, uh, which I have never played before. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Um, in days gone by, when we played it or I ran it uh, the previous time, uh, accounts differ apparently we only got so far as Death on the Reich and I don't think we actually bought the other parts although they had come out I think Power Behind the Throne the original one came out in uh, 1988 but oh just ran out of margarine how's that this is exciting stuff eh so that's going on um, I'm also playing in a campaign by one of the players of the first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons group that I'm uh, DMing for. And this player is DMing for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm playing in the um, Saltmarsh uh, campaign for 5th edition. Now, I'm not a huge 5th edition fan. Um, some good things about that system and some other things I'm really not that keen on and t t generally the things I'm not so keen on tend to sort of uh, overshadow the things that I'm more uh, excited about that system but anyway this is not about me casting um, uh, negativity over um, otherwise a very popular and uh, interesting systems um, uh, I'm in that, <laughs> and um, I can say the name of the other player because I've I've mentioned it before. That's James of the Osaka Adventurers, and uh, he's recently returned. Actually, um, well, I should continue talking about his game. However, um, it's fun. Yeah, it's nice being DMing in a game that a player is uh, running for you. Uh, in, instead, you know, um, his uh, DMing style is, uh, is is good. You know, he he runs it like many other people of our age. He he runs fifth edition more as a like a an old school game. He has a few little rules to make the game a little bit more dangerous. You know, such as um, death save, death failed death saves do not go away until after a long rest, for example, and. Short rests don't get you back more than a few uh, hit points or whatever, whatever. Um, we're still quite in the early days of this campaign. Just the two sessions so far. Um, 
But um, yeah, so that's going. I'm not gonna write. I'm not gonna ruin the game for anybody. So there's no spoiler alert needed. And um, that's uh, about it. Oh, of course, the second edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons game that I'm in. Uh, that uh, Barry GM's Shadow is running for us. Uh, this is. Uh, this is difficult making a sandwich and talking at the same time as I'm not really one for for multitasking. Uh, yeah, the game, the game is uh, is still happening. Um, it's the what's it called? Under. Oh God, I can't remember what it's called. It's like an under earth, uh, un under dark type adventure for second edition. <laughs> Darks, long shadow is not the name of it. Um, I did warn you, I'm still sleepy. So that's still happening, but it, uh, unfortunately yesterday's game was called off. Um, oh, t actually today's game, it should be, should have been today, however, um, Barry has, a, you know, obviously has his own uh, commitments, uh, other commitments, so that's, that's been called off. Um, my games, well, I've got the... Mm, who knows how many instalments? Probably it's eighth, maybe the eighth session coming up for the uh, A series, the Slavers series that we're playing, and it's the you know it's the second one of that uh, series, the Secrets of the Slavers Stockade, and we're definitely getting to the end now. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned that they they uh, charmed one of the uh, key slavers. I'll have to go back and listen to my other uh, podcasts, but they did. Um, and that was really interesting because what it means is uh, they're able to use the charmed uh, slavers uh, information about the keep and about uh, the slavers plans. Oh, it's all coming back now. I did issue a spoiler warning about this, didn't I? So I must have done it. I must have t talked about it unless I'm getting confused. We have the Old School Essentials campaign, which I run on alternate th Wednesdays. Um, and that, that is uh, finished. So, or at least the part that we're, we were on for so long. So we had the 30, I think it was the 33rd session of Old School Essentials last Wednesday. And um, we finished these the kind of uh, sister module to Hole in the Oak, which is one that is known as, um, let's see if I can remember, possibly not. Oh yes, the, the, the Incandescent Grottos by Necrotic Gnome. It's another one by, um, by, oh goodness, can't remember his name, oh damn it. Um, for some reason, necrotic gnome confused me. Now the only word that's coming. Oh, Gavin, Gavin. For some reason, Norman. The name Norman's trying to come up. Um, you can tell I'm I'm closing on fifty, but I probably sound more like I'm in my sixties or seventies. Um, yeah, so it is Gavin Norman, isn't it? Is that Elton John? Is that two 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 first names? What's that about? I don't know. So. Um, so yeah, Gavin's a 
together. And this adventure was, uh, yeah, it was really uh, entertaining. There's a lot more there. There's a lot in the uh, this one, in Candescent Grottos. Um, and I think it's probably a better module. It's a better module than the uh, Hole in the Oak. Um, because I think the second, it has two levels, and I think the second level is really interesting. And the first level is a, has great features in it, but the second level um, should be quite uh, memorable. However, they actually were descended to the second level very early on. And, and so they did that. They, they cleared out the whole of the second level before they finished the first level. So they had already leveled up and many of the challenges in the first level they were able to um, avoid quite skillfully um, or they were already already of a, a level of power that meant that those uh, challenges were less of a challenge but you know they also use their noggin um, they're getting used to sniffing out danger and deciding whether something is worth the risk so um yeah um, great is that kudos to them i think people tend to say nowadays maybe that's all too so that's where we are at. Uh, secrets, um, returning, well, old school essentials. I don't want to kind of give you vertigo by turning you one way than the next. Um, old school essentials, yeah, we'll be moving on. I was suggesting going back to Barrow Maze, but they really are enjoying um, enjoying these uh, necrotic gnome adventures. So I suggested that they go on to the Isle of the Plan Plangent Mage. Uh, go and look up Plangent if you don't know what it is. I can't remember what it is, but I did look it up. Um, and that looks set to be quite a um, quite a memorable adventure, I think. Um, it's got a lot of really kind of unique features, or at least features that are laid out in, in quite an unusual way. That I think they will quite enjoy that and it will challenge them in, the, in new ways but also use some of the skills and items that they've picked up uh, already. And that's not by design, that's just uh, by by uh, serendipity, I guess, right? The sandwich is progressing very slowly indeed, but it is progressing. Yes, I'm still making it. <laughs> I have laid the foundations of the sandwich. Now it's time for the filler. So, um, yeah, going back to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, my... Uh, my Sunday game, my alternate Sunday game. I'm approaching the uh, next uh, session, and uh, yeah, it looks like we'll probably finish finish A two very very soon. Um, and um, it's going to be difficult because they're they've actually they've actually freed a lot of slaves, and they're in the process of uh, sneaking them out, sneaking them out of the um, horrible fortress that they're. Captain, oh, damn it. screwed that up. Yeah. Um, however, I don't want to just let them get out, and I, I know that they are going to want to come back in, and um, you know, um, and finish off the the head honcho, so to speak. So, uh, incidentally, I believe head honcho honcho. Uh, is a uh, is the chief like a village chief or whatever yeah? in Japanese? The main chief, I believe that is a, a 
come, does come from Japanese. I'll have to look that up now. But, um, yeah, they're going to want to go back in. So I'm going to have to think of some way of, of bringing some drama to this situation that they have created, whereby they've obviated a lot of the challenges um, of the uh, second part of the adventure, so to say, so to speak. Um, and, uh, yeah, give them, give them a bit of a, a pat on the back for what they've achieved so far, but also uh, challenge them. So, I don't know where it's going to go, to be honest. Like, um, I was expecting, last session, I was expecting it to, um, for it to go on for at least another six, four to six sessions. Uh, probably six, conservatively. However, um, now it could be one or two sessions uh, and they finish. Um, I don't want to have them going through like a dungeon bash, room to room. So, um, no doubt I'll, I'll give them pointers um, through the um, means, by, by means of the, of the charmed uh, commander of the fort. And we'll take it from there. So, ah, oh, I forgot my pickles. Now, we know British people don't call these merely pickles. They call them gherkins. So, I've got to get my gherkins. I forgot my gherkins. Here we go. So I've got my gherkins. I'm going to need a, some chopsticks to pull these out uh, neatly. Because that works better than a fork. Alrighty. So um, everything is moving to resolution uh, in the D&D front. Um, and that's, that's probably a good thing. Everybody's quite enjoying D&D, um, old school D&D. Uh, but <clears throat> I'm hoping to take the opportunity of finishing the second part of the Slaver's adventure and uh, moving on to just a little change of pace. And that will be in the form, hopefully, <laughs> of RuneQuest uh, and the Six Seasons in Sartar campaign, which I was talking about running uh, back in November last year, but had to be called off. So whether it'll be called off again this time uh, is uncertain. Uh, hopefully not, but you never know. Um, and that is a fairly decent breakdown, considering I'm making sandwiches, of my gaming, uh, playing and games mastering uh, efforts of recent weeks. Now, because I'm recording at a distance, this may not have recorded very well, so I'm going to stop it here for a moment. Okay, so next up we have... Daniel of Bandit's Keep, and he's going to call in and talk about some of the points I raised regarding magic item creation for magic users in advanced or uh, basic, regular uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, give him a listen, and uh, perhaps I'll come in uh, with some thoughts of my own at the end. Rob, Daniel calling in from Bandit's Keep. Uh, hopefully it's not too noisy. The birds are crazy out here today. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I didn't hear the whole thing before or maybe i didn't respond i don't know but about the magic item creation i think but i'm actually listening to jason's response 
Yeah, I mean, the idea of you don't want a magic user running around with a bunch of scrolls, I understand where he's coming from there, but I also think that if you are going to allow such a thing, the cost of it should be in time. And that means that time needs to be important in the campaign. At least that's how I look at it. So in other words, if you if your magic user is going to take a week or two weeks to create a scroll, is everybody just sitting around during those two weeks? And if they do, if they're just like, yeah, we'll take three months off so the magic users can create scrolls. Okay, fine. But if they do that, then lots of things are going to happen, right? Rumors are going to dry up because other adventure parties are going to be coming back with all the treasure, you know, things to that effect. Which should, and I'm air quoting, should <laughs> uh, mean that somebody playing a magic user that wants to be the scroll-making magic user is going to be sidelined a bunch. So that player is going to have to play multiple characters, which means their characters are not going to level as quickly. So making a scroll should be something special where it's like, okay, we're taking time down to do this. At least that's how I look at it. And if you do it that way, then you're not going to end up with magic users with tons and tons of scrolls to off-balance the thing. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of magic users uh, making magic items beyond scrolls and maybe potions. Um, because I, at least in my worlds, but it kind of depends on the world you're playing in. In my worlds, I like magic items to be ancient and the ability to make them to be lost. Um, if you don't have that and people that are like fifth level can make them, then the other option is, I guess, to have it where... Very, 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 I'll say very one more time, few people in the world should ever make it to fifth level, right? Otherwise, you'd have magic items everywhere, and every kingdom would be loaded with them. Because who has more money than the royalty, right? So if magic items could be made, then their house wizards, they'd have a, a, a workshop downstairs with a bunch of fifth level wizards cranking out magic items all day long and potions. So that's just something to consider. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does definitely create a different vibe, a different kind of uh, world, in my opinion. And it's funny how little things can do that, right? It doesn't seem like much to say, hey, magic users can make scrolls. But if magic users are common enough and high-level magic users are common enough, now you've got this lot of scrolls that could be made, right? Magic user gets to the third or fourth level. They decide to just set up a tower and just sit there creating scrolls and selling them to other magic users at double the price it costs them to make it. And now all of a sudden you've got a magic item store where people are selling scrolls. So, <laughs> you know, this is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely a different thing. So... It's the kind of thing that I think of whenever I consider these kind of things. And that's why, generally speaking, I tend to stay away from having magic item, magic item creation by player characters. I don't really have anything to add here. Um, I totally agree with Daniel's points, um, in, at least in my style, uh, the style of Dungeons & Dragons that I enjoy. The time is really essential to any campaign. Um, this, the the, the ticking of the clock um, dictates how things unroll within the world, right? And more interesting, more interesting than uh, spending money accrued on buying items from a shop is the spending of time to achieve something, to get some knowledge, to, to learn some old lore or to create a scroll. Um, the, these things are um, interesting and they give a sense of the world being real in my mind. And I don't think going to a shop and um, parting with, you know, 250 gold pieces or a thousand gold pieces to buy a magic item really does that. Um, I know it works very much. Well, I was going to say something else. I, I know it, it, it works in a way that is um, immediately appealing <laughs> or enjoyable, much in the same way that uh, computer games, particularly the old um, Role-playing games um, used to work where you just go in and upgrade your equipment. Well, in fact, maybe that's not so old. We see that in, in Skyrim, for example. 
but there's something um there's to me there's something uh, a bit disappointing i suppose about that kind of uh you know um magic item or rare item commerce because then it's no longer really rare it's only a question of unlocking it once you have enough gold pieces or or the game the the dungeon master decides that you're of a level that such items should should be commonplace which is all very artificial um i understand there's a problem using the word artificial in a fantasy game but hopefully you you understand what i mean um so yeah um I think this, I like the idea of creating scrolls and perhaps with a little bit more work and the right ingredients, creating potions. But I'm not really a fan. I'm not really a fan of creating things like you know, um, magical cloaks, magical armor, magical weapons. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, even if they can do it, I think it should be like it's described in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, where really they're going to be spending a year creating. Uh, a magic item of any worth. Uh, so as Daniel says, these pl player characters uh, should be sitting out. They're not going to be getting any XP. They're going to be sitting out and a player is going to have to be um, running a different character during that downtime. Uh, the whole the whole setup should mean that, all right, you can make magic items at level 9 or 11 or whatever it might be, but it's really not worth your time as a as an adventurer, as a player. Um, playing a game that's about adventuring, <clears throat> because once those uh, those those years start ticking away, you know the the character is aging, uh, the world is moving on, things don't stand still, etc. Um, etc. Et we we've probably gone over this many many times before. Anyway, uh, some really interesting comments, um, and uh, I'm always uh, quite ex interested uh, or uh, happy to learn that. Uh, I I share things with uh, Daniel and others uh, in, in the way that I perceive uh, Dungeons and Dragons and where I see the 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 interest and and the enjoyment to lie. I really enjoyed that uh, that recap there. Um, <laughs> it's great to to hear how players can be creative and I mean probably should be although I hate to use that word but you know if if you're looking at these older modules. Some of them can be, if you just walk from room to room, can be pretty deadly. So being creative and having a dungeon master that allows you to be creative and doesn't just nix everything you ask for uh, is a key component in my mind of a really fun game. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of games, uh, the value of a dungeon master screen cannot be, <laughs> cannot be exaggerated. A good dungeon master screen is great. I remember the first one they made for 5th edition when I was running that was not very good. It just didn't seem to have the stuff I wanted. And then, then they redid it and they came out with one that had like more of the tables that you might reference. And it was great. And I could run that, you know, again, except for the spells, which I required the players to know, I could run that pretty easily from just the screen. And Dungeon Crawl Classics is the same. So, Hadboria, uh, you know, any game that has effectively charts that you want to reference, having a screen just makes it go so much faster and so much easier. And when I go to run at conventions, I rarely carry a book anymore. I, I have the PDFs on my iPad just in case, but I pretty much run my games from screens. I like to run games that can be run that way. So that's excellent. Uh, I look forward to hearing more about those modules. I never played in those as a kid. I have them as part of a bundle I bought one time, but I have yet to look through them. So it sounds pretty exciting and pretty fun actually to uh, to run some high-level AD&D characters through those uh, original, I guess, tournament modules as it would be.
So I was recently having a conversation with with Che Webster of um, Roleplay Rescue, and we were discussing old school advanced Dungeons and Dragons, you know, first edition. And I, I said uh, that uh, for me, AD and D is actually a really simple game, and it runs very smoothly and it's quite fast. Um, and he rightly sort of picked this up, picked up on this, and and said, "Really? Are you sure?" Um, and uh, I realized that to me it is fast. So part of it is the knowing the rules element that makes it run faster. The conversation, uh, the conversation, the 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 um, the conflict, the 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 combat round runs fast because I understand the different elements in the game, uh, of course, right. But one of the things that runs makes it run fast, and which I didn't really um, really explain to him um, when we had this conversation, was that. It's the it's the fact that I've got the the screens there, um, I've got some printouts of screens. I've got the attack matrices, and I've got little um, color li- or lines going where the where you've got the armor class zero, um, and I I can see all the parts quite clearly, um, and I have in my head I've got these uh, more or less kind of you know ballpark. Uh, figures of of the to hit armor class zeros for any class uh, of those levels. Uh, I know if something's definitely a miss. I know if something is kind of borderline, and and I can then refer to the chart as necessary, and that really speeds things up. And that's really what I wanted to say. Um. So yeah. Uh. Sheets or you know crib sheets, whatever you want to call them. Um. Dungeon master screens, a good one. Um. Really do uh, help a great deal to run the game, and it, it, as you say, if you can run the game merely from these such sheets, such uh, uh, charts, then um, that, that's really, really uh, helpful, I suppose. As for the tournament games, I've probably said this before, um, but I think there's some really interesting little... Um, sorry, I'm umming and ahhing a lot. I think there's a lot of interesting uh, scenarios within the adventures, if that makes sense. There's some interesting rooms, some interesting setups, some interesting... Com- combat situations or or, or um, places to explore, to negotiate, uh, to get round, to overcome, problems to overcome in these modules. But if you do it as a, a room-by-room slog, it, it can become a little bit tedious as well, per, perhaps more for those that aren't real, you know, uh, AD&D grognards. Um, so... One thing that could be of interest is just to cherry pick stuff from these uh, tournament modules. After all, they were really designed as like five room dungeons in many cases, um, and several of them uh, revolved around the same theme at any given tournament, and were then you know put together as a as a module, uh, an adventure module with extra parts, little parts added to, to make it a little bit less. Uh, to well to make it seamless I guess um, although I don't think they were ever uh, that successful in in doing that but uh, nevertheless they're quite interesting not just for historical reasons but um, they have uh, immediate goals so for example the slavers uh, adventures have an immediate goal of defeating the slavers um, of of freeing slaves emancipating the slaves uh, of finding the um, trade routes that are being used by the slavers and shutting them down. Um, and I think this leads to a different kind of play 
as I probably said when I was talking about XP. And I think this leads to a different kind of play from the uh, typical dungeon uh, bash or a dungeon exploration adventure. Because uh, we're not there to to get the treasure and get out again. We're there to, uh, undis- to, to discover where the slaves are, discover the ringleaders and to and to shut it down. Not necessarily to wipe out everybody in the fort either. Um, and this has been quite interesting uh, in terms of how it's played out because we haven't explored every room uh, and we just uh, completed the second part of the slavers, so A2. I thought it would be another four sessions. It was actually just one. Um, and <clears throat> I'll probably talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they're interesting modules. Um, and they ha- they're full of problems that you'll want to, to fix uh, now, to fit it into your own campaign. But for an, a relatively experienced or adventurous uh, gun- dungeon master, games master, I was going to say, um, they should be quite interesting. I mean, there's, there were well, a treasure trove of ideas, provided that you, you're able and willing to spend the time uh, digging into them. Anyway, uh, thanks so much, Daniel, for your comments. Well, that's everything uh, that I want to speak about today. Um, we've had Daniel of of Bandits Keep uh, podcast and YouTube and uh, whatever else he's doing at the moment, uh, and me rambling on while I'm making sandwiches. So, um, as you can probably guess, I'm, I have actually finished the... Uh, A2 Slavers uh, adventure and we put Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and the Greyhawk campaign on uh, on hiatus on hold, it's probably better English uh, for the time being and gone to, gone, we're going to switch over to RuneQuest as of next Sunday which will be, you know, the second Sunday of June 2022 Um uh, because of this, things, you know, really the D&D thing uh, ended much quicker than I was expecting. So we've had to kind of increase the pace of uh, preparations. I was fairly prepared, but um, there's still a few character people who hadn't created characters. And, and that is uh, going to be a real challenge to get them ready for the next session, uh, before session, because we can't. Uh, be sitting around making characters for two people um, uh, when everybody else is just going to be waiting around for three hours, you know, uh, to, which is what it takes. Uh, why does it take so long? Well, I, I've already discussed this a little bit in the uh, some of the episodes on RuneQuest that I did previously, but I will uh, go over some of these ideas, uh, some of the prep, uh, again in a an episode uh, dedicated to uh, RuneQuest. Um Additionally, additionally, we have completed, I'm not sure if, well, I think I probably discussed this already, but yeah, we completed the uh, Old School Essentials adventure, uh, the Incandescent Grotto, uh, and uh, we started, I've already done the first session of the next adventure, which is the Isle of the Plungent, Plungent Mage, um, and I really didn't do very much prep for this, um, but, but, surprisingly, um, it was one of the most exciting 
sessions I've had in a in a long while uh, for for that campaign with the old school uh, essentials and it really feels suddenly that there's a, a lot of energy there um, we have a new world <laughs> a new world to explore uh, figuratively a new world to explore and a, a new type of uh, exploration uh, adventure that's going to bring us out of the has brought us out of the um, the cave complexes, the dungeons, it's going to take us into more of a wilderness. Um, well, various various different kind of things. A little bit of aquatic adventure in this one as well. So um, really quite exciting. I'll, I'll talk more about that in the next episode. So much to talk about, much happening. Um, but these great pe- periods of silence uh, in between episodes... I do apologise this. Uh, I thank you for, for bearing with me and listening to what simple things that I do put out. And I look forward to a continued discussion with you, the listener. Um, I've also been missing a lot of um, podcasts myself recently, um, so I'm a little bit behind on what is happening in, with everybody else. But hopefully um, I'll be able to catch up a little bit and take part in the uh, the so-called community a little bit more <laughs> so-called community that was, that, did, that sounded rather mean didn't it but you know what I mean right uh, that's me I'm, I've got to get moving I've got a few things to do so um, back to my RuneQuest reading and ruminations all right take care all the best bye-bye